Welcome to Pedagog, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Pedagog launched in 2019 with the goal of amplifying perspectives and experiences on teaching writing across institutions. For the most part, I feel like the podcast has promoted a wide range of perspectives across post-secondary education context. Starting out, my hope was for Pedagog to be a platform that fills gaps in more traditional alphabetic scholarship, which often privileges teachers situated in more research-intensive universities that have space and time to publish. I wanted the podcast to be a space that embraces and showcases experiences and knowledges from all types of classrooms for us to consider and think about what teaching writing looks like, what it means to teach writing in different contexts, from two-year colleges to historically black colleges and universities to Hispanic-serving institutions to private colleges to small liberal arts colleges to large and small public universities. Through all these episodes, there's still something missing. The voices and perspectives of teachers at tribal colleges and universities. I taught basic writing and first year composition at a tribal college as an adjunct for almost two years. And those students and classrooms impacted my perception and understanding of teaching more than any other context. There are currently 32 fully accredited tribal colleges and universities in the United States, serving approximately 30,000 full-time and part-time students, according to the U.S. Department of Education. This is the second episode in a 10-week series that highlights tribal colleges and universities. In this episode, Tashina Emery talks about teaching at Kuna Bay Ojibwa Community College, being a tribal court associate judge, resilience, art and writing, and what she wished people knew about tribal colleges and universities. Firstly, our mission is, you know, to be always culturally sensitive and appropriate for, you know, our students and always recognizing, you know, the resilience and the strength that came from oppressive and genocidal systems that we've faced. Clearing of the Sky Cloud Woman, Missy Anakwadakwe in Ojibwa is her spirit name, the one who can clear a cloudy day. Tashina Emery is from the small reservation Kuna Bay Indian Community of Michigan. She teaches at her local tribal community college as an adjunct professor while transitioning into her new role as a KBIC tribal court associate judge. She runs a jewelry business during the evening. She writes into the night after earning her MFA in creative writing, doing it all while being a first time mother, worrying and caring for her little brown baby and all future brown babies. Tashina, thanks so much for joining us. You teach at Kuna Bay Ojibwa Community College. Can you talk more about your institutional context? Yes. So I we're we're a very rural reservation in Michigan, um, in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, Kuna Bay is actually right on Lake Superior, so that is like a really beautiful space to already be like teaching in. Our homelands are right here. Um, We have um, such great tangible treaty rights for our our people. And speaking of student demographics, we have a pretty, I mean, we have to have a bigger Native American population for our students. So those who are, those are who we are trying to serve um, and, you know, creating future leaders in that um, for, for our community and for our reservation. 
the student demographics, though, are I taught, I mean, I ran the liberal studies department from 2021 until uh, just this past June before my um, appointment as the new associate judge for our, our tribe as well. And that liberal studies department, I expanded from, you know, having about, I would say, six enrollee members um, to now about 40 enrolled, um, I would say, even a semester. So it it's, it's definitely, I think COVID impacted our small community college in actually a good way. And I think that's a norm for a lot of the tribal uh community colleges that I've spoken to actually just got back from a TCU convening, which the American Indian College Fund had put on, because I just did a program review. It's usually you're reporting on exactly that, the demographic of your students and their mothers, their parents. They are, um, uh, we're kind of getting more finally of the first straight from high school students. Uh, we now have new programs at our institution where we're doing dual enrollment with our high schools. That is freshly new this year. Um, they're called CTE courses. Uh, and then we also have continuing education for their careers. Our tribal center and um, primary the primary employment of the, uh, the students who are coming in um, are able to take classes uh, usually with financial aid assistance and support Um, and also the last one is our elders so our elders also get really cool incentives when continuing in education and um, post covid all that era are still happening but um was teachers were able to take courses as well so our adjuncts um were given the opportunity to take some classes at TCU. And sometimes it was their first time taking a TCU class. In my experience, um, I think probably based on colonization, I was born and raised right here on the res in Berga and on on the Cuna Bay land. Um, But it was always taught to go to those big institutions. And now um, I'm about 30 now, I finally was like, I'm going to go get a TCU degree. So I went to IAI. Um, It was a hybrid creative writing master's program. And it was probably one of the best experiences, even for myself as an adjunct. And I was teaching at the time, too, um, at our community college and running a department. So I'm like, oh, they're doing such cool things. I'm going to utilize what they're doing in the classroom. Um, And that really benefited even the way I teach now and the way my mode is um, and teaching and um, and it was in creative writing so that really fueled storytelling in all my classes so I teach art as well so I'm always try to incorporate any type of um, free writing creative writing um, healing storytelling those all are big things in all my classes can you talk more about your roles and responsibilities being a tribal court associate judge? So an associate judge is basically, um, it's a part of the judicial branch um, of the Cuna Bay Indian community. Um, the college is another branch of that community. So they're two separate worlds. So I do have to keep them separate. You know, there's always that. Um, 
and one is you know uh, serving people um, protecting their their rights and hearing cases and preparing for those cases and um, depending on you know and it's everything it's from civil to criminal to uh, family court everything in between healing I've taken over the healing to wellness portion which is um, you know helping our recovering our people in recovery and making sure that we give them the 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 their 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 supportive system they need a lifeline they need a whole supportive team so that's a different approach to you know the usual jail and punishment that western society has ingrained in what court should look like so our healing to wellness program is um kind of the opposite of that which is another cool way of how we're using sovereignty um a lot of what you do on the bench is you know a um working you know to give clarity to protect our my people and and being a judge for my people means like my community has its own sovereignty and making sure those protections of their rights are being upheld and i think i can do that because of my educators my because my i have already had those opportunities of educating my people and you know utilizing I, we, me and my chief judge were just teasing. Uh, she's like, don't kill them with kindness, but kill them with like clarity. And I don't even like the word kill, but I'm like, clarity is what they you need. You know, you come in in the most, this is their most traumatized and most, you know, vulnerable position in their life that you're being opposite of them on the bench. And um, I definitely see that being just, un, being very, ultimately fair and unbiased and that approach and making sure that all parties are being protected in their rights is kind of I think that I see a lot of beautifulness in that and um and and I think it blends very well with teaching I'm able to you know still be an adjunct and do all the things that I love and serve my people in uh in both capacities so that's always the goal what guides your approach to teaching writing and, and what are some values or ideas you want students to take from your classes? Yes. So that is such a good question for sure. Um, firstly, our mission is, you know, to be always culturally sensitive and appropriate for, you know, our students and always recognizing, you know, the resilience and the strength that came from oppressive and genocidal systems that we've faced. Um, and then those values stem into our program learning outcomes and our course learning outcomes. So the program learning outcomes are, again, what the, de the degree program has to abide by. Um, and then the course learning ones are for each class. So most of the time, or not most, but all the time, there's always in a cultural component in, as one of those um, outcomes like you will be getting this and um, the courses that I usually teach are Anishinaabe um, film and literature, Anishinaabe uh, literature, um, Anishinaabe art and we always start with Anishinaabe because that just means the original people, um, it means native art, native um, art forms I teach, native garments so a lot of the culturally specific um, teaching and and you can't really go and search you know on those big large platforms like I'm going to find a science book and utilize all that content and build a class and curriculum build from that so it's kind of that's also what makes um 
our teaching really unique at tribal colleges is because we are building curriculum from our ancestors, from the elders, from community support, from the work that's happening now in our entities and in our institutions as tribal nations, because um, you know we have our own jurisdiction and our own sovereignty that allows us to really tackle our own, uh, be agents of change in a, in a good way. So, um, but let me expand too further about, um, also, I always like to put in my, because, you know, assessment's really big in running any kind of class, any kind of um, department, um, those kinds of things. So always in my assessment, I always plug in there is um, I am Native American, raised, born and raised right here on the res. My mom runs the enroll or not runs the, but she's worked in the enrollment department for probably 32 years now. Um, so I have, you know, that unique I think all Native instructors have, you know, we're innately Native, and they're always like, what cultural things have you provided your class? And I'm like, I am always innately being Native and teaching from a Native perspective. Um, so when they give you that list, but I'm also following the list too, so I'll always have like Native instructors come. Um, I'll have Native artists who are doing things now. I'll contact Native authors who are, uh, you know, I've, I've got to work alongside a lot of Native authors in the IEI program. Um, so I'm utilizing, you know, their work or just contemporary uh, anything they're doing that's uh, valid and appropriate too. Um, and one of my biggest values, though, that I bring into all my classes and that I actually, like, worked my thesis on while getting my creative writing master's um, was humor. And I think humor is a, a big value for especially the Ojibwe people in the Great Lakes region and maybe all of Indian country because I think we have a special, unique bond to humor where I say, like, when we are using humor, it's, we're usually laughing and simultaneously crying at the same time. And I think that speaks, like, volumes for um, writing courses and, and writing for healing as well, so... Can you talk more about the importance of resiliency and healing through writing? I always, I, and that's actually a really good question too, is I have, I got, I went to my institutional memory and that institutional memory are the faculty, you know, who are still doing the beautiful work and amazing work in our tribal colleges. And they've been around and have invested a lot of time into building our courses and whatnot. But the, I recently just took a Native American history class with um, one of the one of our great Anishinaabe instructors, which is Denise Keto, and she, um, the way she teaches, just blew my mind because I'm like, I'm not gonna sign up for a history course that just sounds very linear, chronological. I'm probably just gonna have to memorize dates, and it just sounds like just icky, um, colonial, and weird. But I get in this class, and the first thing we do is we we start at creation. We start with those stories. We're starting with prompts with writing, prompts in painting, prompts using the the like different modes that would inspire creativity, and looking at history as our our lifespan, as the four circles of life from birth to 
the other side and reaching, you know, elderhood to the spirit world. So I'm like, this is this is the cosmology that I wanted. So yeah, it, it really disrupt my my thinking, my form of how I teach too. Um, and I, I so I I do think that's one way that um, you know tribal colleges are disrupting what even the language sounds like and I try to intentionally do that all the time too in my teaching um someone at the conference I just went to said you know we're aware of lot many hats and I'm like mm, I think we're aware of many beads and I'm wearing beads right now and I'm like they're heavy those burdens are you know so many there's many but it's also the flip of that is that when we look at a single seed bead in community with all the other beads it's those are the hopes and wishes and like prayers of our people now our future seven generations the present in the middle of those seven generations too so I think there's a lot to say about when you take the language and switch it to be more accommodating for you know because the English language is also another very colonized tool so i i really do am very strategic when it comes to how i even word things what text and writing assignments do you use in your writing classes so even in my modern native american literature like when i'm actually going to teach that again this fall um we do we usually read you know from the contemporary um what people like louise eldridge are doing and some of the works from What's another one that we read? Um, Brandon Hobson, Tommy Orange. We read, you know, the more popularized, but then we also go back to like um, Silco and, and and just reading every genre too. I, I also provide them with a sheet of like, they get to pick one of their own. So maybe kind of looking at um, one of my favorites is the horror um Stephen Graham Jones, love him. So I give them a list of like must reads if you graduate from a tribal college. And um, and it's it's funny because IAIA started that and I'm like, yeah, I think this is appropriate. Like here's the 10 that you probably need to read if you're going to graduate from a tribal community college. But here's the like expanded list of like um, everything that's like going on in Indian country from inception to now and who's changed the literary uh, field in general um, and like the OGs, which I would say like Visner and those kinds of guys. So um, I, I give them the opportunity to do their own research. But then when we get into more um, after we do the reading, I like to prompt them utilizing some of those themes, those big themes that um, native writers are using like humor like um how they change the timeline even it's no longer the stories aren't originally just beginning middle end it's cyclical it has um there's a lot of different approaches that they're taking creatively um a lot of lesson learning um, a lot of themes with um that go back to our original uh, stories with like tricksters and those kinds of things so prompting how they how how they would do that contemporarily um using their own experiences adversities um strengths to pull out some other um ideas but using their the the stories now as guides so that's one way i'm doing it in that course um 
but even like in my digital storytelling course where we're actually taking um, like you were saying multimedia and or or going beyond um, media into like dance or theater um, I like to ask them or I like to prompt them with like free rights in class because I want to have them write in community I think there's something really special even I teach that class online so um, I think there's something really special about just creating a space where we're in unison writing together I think there there's a lot of um, healing just to be together and writing in community that's I think another approach that I can think of off the top of my head what are some challenges to teaching writing at Kuna Bay Ojibwa Community College? Good question, because I was going to go there next, is the, ch- the that portion, we didn't get to the part that's really even more special, is the vulnerability to share afterwards. And I teach my art classes, like, as artists, we're sharers. And I think there's something that has a connection between art and writing, because I think they both come from a fuel, a, a place of of um you know creative working and um a lot of healing for sure in both those practices but in writing specifically when you're sharing there is a lot of vulnerability to that but also a lot of connections you're making right away and i i'm always like people are very hesitant at first like they're like whoa we're gonna have to share like i don't say it right away um but then they Oh, they always do. They always share. I leave it open for them to do so. And it just, the, that that connection of like vocalizing and telling your story orally has something very unique. And especially for, you know, Native populations, we're used to like telling our stories orally. So, um, and that's, you know, ingrained in our blood and um, that kind of thing. So I think that's one of the challenges is just like preparing them to be vulnerable in those spaces because usually when you are writing it always comes from a very um, emotional kind of fueled from your experiences place even if it's fiction I, I i i do prompts in fiction and i'm like you know what where does fiction blend you know what do you enjoy the most about teaching writing at your institutional context yeah i i definitely enjoy the exchange that happens like their students are my students for sure are very amazing they are humble and um they make me want to write even because you know i did go to school for creative writing i want to write and i'm always able to do that through their encouragement and even just their as as inspiration like they're doing such good things and i'm constantly looking for places uh, where they can do residency or, or publishing and just to get there the, to build a platform and and also like it's beautiful to see their world change with a little bit of awareness because you know some people are like daunted by writing just in general they're like oh I'm even using the word like writer is could be a little bit scary and they're like I'm not I don't do that and then they're like oh wait this is something we have always been doing around the dinner table around like grandma um so just cute little things and we're list and even my mom I, I credit my mom to being my first storyteller my first encyclopedia my first you know those kinds of things this is my last question what do you wish people knew or understood about tribal colleges and universities 
I think too. Um, I we've I've advised non-natives coming to our our institution, and they even in their exit interviews as they're graduating, you know, they're like, oh, "What a beautiful close-knit community that we would not have gotten at a you know non-native Western institution." And I think that's something so true is that um, because we're smaller and you know. We we offer such diverse, different perspectives on education, just in general. It's it really is a beautiful um, way of thinking, and it, you're kind of unlearning things, but also um, kind of picking up a, just a deeper awareness of place, of space, um, those kinds of things, and that's really important, especially when you're going to you know. Become a future leader in the field of your choice, and I think once you do transition, if that's the goal to go to another four-year institution, because usually tribal colleges are two-year, um, um, then I feel like you're very well equipped, because you know we offer um, capstone. Even that process is very unique for our for that institution. Like you're well well prepared when you go into even the career field and those kinds of things. Thanks to Sheena. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.